Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Ready to triple your creative production speed? Seltra is a software for scaling creative and content in the cloud. In Seltra, brands can create and launch all the variations they need for successful campaigns. More at Seltra.com. That's C-E-L-T-R-A.com. You're listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And I'm Ko Im. I'm the community editor at Adweek. Yes, even a fly is an ad of sorts. We'll get into that. But first, we're going to introduce our guests. We have the director of Social at Lyft, Bryna Corcoran, and another social media star, an Adweek contributor, and a global brand strategy and marketing lead, Jeremy Schumann. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Stoked to be here. So oh, let's man. look back. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a fun week on the social front. Uh, I should I should give just as a quick disclosure uh, about my own background. But I used to uh, be a social media social media strategist for brands uh, in my agency life, uh, and led a uh, social strategy department. Uh, and it is ju- it's it's so much a it's so much easier not being in it because then you could just sit back and uh, armchair quarterback everyone else's decisions, uh, such as Ocean Spray and how they responded to the viral sensation going around that started on TikTok uh, about a, a week before we record this, and uh, and how they responded to it. And then we're also going to talk about as Co so deftly mentioned the uh, the fly in the ointment of the VP debate and how. They, uh, the Biden campaign quickly pivoted to turn that into an opportunity. But first, uh, Brian, I want you to tell us a little bit about your role and kind of how long you've been with uh, with Lyft and uh, and what your what, what your duties are over there. Yeah, so I am director of social uh, for Lyft. That means all of Lyft's main 
uh, social channels, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, et cetera. Um, my small little team, which I'm building up this year, is in charge of managing. Um, I am about five months in. Uh, I just celebrated my fifth month's anniversary last week. Uh, and it's been an interesting time to join a rideshare company at the, in the middle of a pandemic, I will say that. Um, but yeah, my, my uh, goal for the Lyft channels is to honestly reset them. Um, when I look at <clears throat> things like um, you know, how we're showing up on these platforms, the creative we're putting out, the audiences we are trying to talk to, I think we're a little disjointed. And so big ambition of mine as we come into 2021 is to kind of reset reset everything and kind of reset the team structure and everything to make us a little bit more exciting on those platforms. Now, you have a very brand-centric uh, background in recent years. Uh, you've mm -hmm. worked at, uh, at Dolby and Stitch Fix. Um, and, but uh, but you, you started out on, on uh, kind of the, uh, or at some point, I know you, you worked on the agency side. What was that transition like? Um, yeah, the agency side, I feel like I, when I give this advice to up-and-coming marketers, I feel like the agency side is always the most exciting. Um, you get a chance to really experiment and see it all. You work with different clients who are of different sizes, different budgets, different industries. Um, I think, you know, depending on which side you're on, in-house or agency, I do feel like the agency side, you get a lot um, more exposure to cutting edge stuff. Um, all that is to say that when you do come in-house, you get to take that experience with you and really focus on one brand. So in my, my case, I'm getting a chance to really hone in on the strategy for Lyft and the brand essence of Lyft and how it should start to show up on social. Um, but definitely agency side is giving me, has given me that experience of, of seeing how it all comes together and the insights that drive a lot of the the you know the the team effort on some of the campaigns that I've uh, worked on in the past. Jeremy, you also came up uh, through an agency background. Tell us a little bit about about uh, your path. Uh, totally, I kind of got my my bigger start in New York, working on the digital social business for Adobe Creative Cloud and Visa. And from there, I really wanted to learn brand. So for me, best in class brand came from Shia Day, the agency that brought brand strategy to the U.S. And then I went over there and really did brand, but led on my digital social chops that I came up with to do work on Airbnb, Intel, Grammys, and Snapchat. And then from there was at a smaller agency building out my own strategy department, whether it's digital, social, or brand, and worked on Nike, worked on Nike's Instagram, a lot of their digital social and some broadcast work, as long as, um, along with Uber Eats and Facebook. So I've been, agency has been the majority of my time, although I started in-house. Okay, Co, set us up here. Tell me about the first <laughs> the first time you remember seeing the the ocean what what we now know as the ocean spray, <laughs> but the the skateboard video that that went viral and started just an insanely huge of uh, viral cycle over this past week. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw it? Yeah, I actually. It came up on my For You page. Um, David and I are both on TikTok. And so I saw it and I was like, oh, this is cool vibe. I mean, everyone's getting their pumpkin spice latte on. And this is like, you know, swinging into fall. This is cool. Did I think it would like super blow up? No. And so, the, you know, we're setting this up at the end of September. And then all of a sudden, I see a parody on this with a guy in the same kind of angle with the camera 
with a giant pumpkin head on his head with the like same feather tattoo on the side. And then he splashes PSL, pumpkin spice latte, into his face. Um, And in the meantime, Twitter is like going nuts um, a few days later because the Ocean Spray CEO finally parodies this while wearing, you know, corporate garb, a vest. But somehow he also knows how to skate, does the same thing while repping his own brand. And I'm seeing people like Bryna, like Jeremy, being like, oh, finally. So I'm just curious, like, Bryna, you were very vocal about this on Twitter. You're like, why haven't they responded yet? Yeah, I think because, you know, I'm over here at Lyft trying to reset the channels. And if we had a moment like that, I feel like our teams would have scrambled and jumped on it and tried to do something, even if it didn't land properly. At least we tried, you know, and that's where I think I was just secretly jealous that I'm like, wow, I wish we had a moment like this as a brand right now. Um, And so so I actually saw it uh, on Twitter. So I guess it had made you know, it started on TikTok on the original account and had sort of jumped over to Twitter. And so uh, it was going around on Saturday morning, um, a week and a half ago. I logged in at like eight, nine o'clock on a, on a Saturday morning. And I saw it show up and just kept watching it. I was so inspired by this guy. He was so free spirited. And so, you know, I shared it, a couple other people shared it. And then before, you know, marketing Twitter had really kind of grabbed hold of it. And I think we all share similar Twitter followings. And so I saw it really take off um, that morning. Um, and then I, I started to share it internally at Lyft. It's just like, oh, my gosh, you guys, look at this. Isn't this amazing? Um, and then, you know, you do see the Gen Z audience uh, start to ask questions on Twitter, like, what song is this? You know, and being a being a vintage millennial myself, I'm like, how do you not know who Fleetwood Mac is? So I think it also sparked a huge conversation around just how amazing that band is and how there's a whole generation who doesn't know, you know, that type of music because they just didn't grow up around it. So, yeah, I actually saw it uh, make the jump over to Twitter and that's where my my ecosystem caught hold of it. Yeah, I, I should point out for those who maybe haven't seen it uh, that it is it is set to the tune of "Dreams" by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I, I would have to say, in full disclosure, that if I have two musical heroes, they are Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this viral moment was like right, and and I still love to skateboard. So this fell like right into my sweet spot, I think. Um, but you know, to, to the point, I think I've been most impressed how many people can ride a skateboard down a long hill while mm-hmm. multitasking. Like, I feel pretty comfortable on a skateboard. I don't think I would be up for filming myself with one hand while trying. <laughs> drinking an entire bottle of cranberry juice with the other but like it's nice to see that so many else are are, are up to the challenge and to your point yeah like uh the dreams blew up like across the board across spotify across everywhere started getting tons of views i've seen it being used as happens all the time on tiktok it's being used in a wide range of videos well beyond this one kind of specific meme that, that it popped up in. Jeremy, when did you, do you remember when you first realized, oh, this thing's going to be like crazy big, not just, oh, here's a cute TikTok. Cause I mean, I share TikToks on Twitter all the time. Um, but, but it is the rare, the rare video that really blows up at this kind of level. Do you remember the first time you realized it was kind of going to tip over like that? Well, I think for me, it was the first time I saw it. And for me, like picking it apart in my head is like, why did I think this would go viral or why did it? 
is it encapsulated a vibe we all want right now. Like 2020 is a shit show and no matter where you're living, whether it's COVID or the election or anything, and just seeing him gliding like like he just gives zero shits, like he's just in this perfect little mindset of like, that's why it took off. And so looking at that, I was like, that's the vibe we all want right now. And I slowly saw people start recreating it. And the people that were recreating the vibe that I saw, like recreating it, it was they were recreating the vibe. They weren't, the cranberry juice was nowhere to be seen. It was like their dog's head out the window or them just skating or things like that. And so for me, I was like, this is going viral because it's a vibe we all kind of all aspire to have right now when the world's burning around us. And so I really started thinking like, oh, this is going to be a viral meme. But I didn't really like what I was questioning from the beginning is what is the brand's role in this? Like, like it's this is getting recreated because of the song and because of skating and like this this carefree vibe and the cranberry juice is just kind of there. It's not it's not a viral moment like the band shoes challenge that took off on TikTok a few months back where people would throw their shoes and they always land standing up. Like that was right about the product, right about the brand. But the brand's role in this was very secondary so for me i was like this is going to be a meme that's recreated for the vibe but i i wasn't sure the brand's role in it and that's what something i was questioning from the very beginning Mm -hmm. i think what's great is that you know it's just like stuff you don't expect and it you know just really surprised everybody like why cranberry juice so weird and and then like you know what happened was um for for those who might not have been able to follow the full story is um nathan apodaca i think that's how you say his name but he was surprised very genuinely um not just by you know mcfleetwood remaking that video himself but also ocean spray sent him a cranberry red truck full of all the cranberry juice that he can get so did they do the right thing guys in rewarding this man um what should they do next even yeah i you know it's funny um when i saw the video on twitter i looked him up on tiktok i'm on tiktok as well just from a voyeuristic standpoint and i love following these like really wacky accounts and so i had not come across him yet on tiktok so i went over to tiktok and really started to dig into his feed and my my impression of him as as just a person was that he was such a free spirit and you know the more you dug into his background and the more you kind of looked at what you know where he worked and what he was doing you know it's almost like to Jeremy's point he's just exuding optimism at a time when there's not a lot to be like excited about in 2020 um and so just as a person i thought he was inspiring and then you hear over the course of the following days that the reason he had jumped on the highway <laughs> with with a skateboard was because his car had broken down and he had to get to work And then you think about, you know, essential workers and you think about things like everyone seems to be up against these barriers this year. There was just something so inspiring about him as a person. And so from a brand's perspective, I think, you know, here I was sort of knocking Ocean Spray on Twitter for not putting out a replica of the meme or like not doing something funny on their Instagram account with it. But the more you dig into his background, I think the way they um, answered it by giving him a vehicle and 
you know, giving him this opportunity and to, to get to and from work uh, going forward without having the pressures of this added, you know, like expense on himself with this car breaking down. I just was like, I had to celebrate that, especially like when I think of Lyft and how for us, our mission is always transportation is access. If you don't have access to a car, if you don't have access to transportation, it's really hard for you to get a step up. Right. So, um, so I just saw it as like a really awesome um, warm and fuzzy moment from the brand. I thought it was a great answer to to the video. Let, if, let's, if I, yeah, go ahead. If I could jump into, um, so I think I was looking at this very much from like a, a business standpoint. So for me, mm-hmm. I love their response I, to echo Brenna, the fact that they like actually played a role in his life, like his car broke down and they gave him a new car. I think that was brilliant, but really I think the approach here from like a brand safety perspective, like this is kind of risky. If you really look into this guy, like we love his vibe. But like from a brand safety standpoint of really like sponsoring or throwing him in an ad, he's like very 420 friendly. For full context, mm-hmm. he drinks cranberry juice to dilute his urine for drug screenings, right? So like that's like – is that what, what Ocean Spray wants to be known for? So I think like keeping all those things in mind, in my mind when we were like, wait, when are they going to respond? I was like, yo, this is risky. Do you? Like what is the role of this guy in their brand? Like I think Ocean Spray would love to be known for – good vibes, but them putting out a spot for that isn't, would that necessarily be true to their brand, especially the way he uses the product? So I was waiting and I was just like, I I was trying to think like, is there a way to do this right? And I wasn't sure there was, and we were all waiting for it. And I think their approach came in was, was brilliant, which is like to echo, I, I follow Chipotle a lot and their marketing standpoint is uh, supercharge the super fans. And I think that's what they did. They found a way to support him, to say, hey, we're all about you. Here's free product. Let you tout about it. I feel the, like the brand coming in and doing a spot with him, and it would feel very hello brand, very forced and feeling kind of weird. But seeing them supercharge him, he share with his followers, and then now seeing TikTok run a TV spot with him in it and the recreating of it. And for them, it's mm-hmm. true to their vibe. Like TikTok's all about trying to be positive vibes. And I think that works. So I think letting... I think they handled this right for a few reasons. So like number one, they couldn't just throw them in an ad, like very rough brand safety standpoint. Number two is when I saw people recreating this TikTok or this song or things like that, it was all just the song. There was no cranberry juice in it until after they did this stunt where they like literally just gave him a truck. All of a sudden people were like, oh, it was Ocean Spray. That's who it was. I think outside of the marketing world, nobody really knew who Ocean Spray was or their role in this. Like, like, and I like I try to look at the content from my friends outside of marketing Twitter because we were all geeking out. But outside of marketing Twitter, it was just the song. Yeah, it was just the song being. That's recreated. a great point. I, I think we're all so hypersensitive to brand appearances and references. And then you talk to anyone else in like the real world, and they and they'll just. It's like you know when you talk about Super Bowl ads, and you'll say, you know, oh, that that Bill Murray ad, and they'll call it you know a, a Ram ad, <laughs> and you're just like. Yeah. No, 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 that was a G bag. But to, you know, to normal people, like these things are so inconsequential compared to the vibe. And, and so that, that, you know, I think that's a great point. But before we move on to, I did want to talk about the, um, the VP debate and how the Biden campaign responded to that. But, but Brian, walk us through the, for, for those who haven't had the, just the joy of managing social accounts for uh, lar- large consumer corporations. If you want to respond to something, uh, what is the general, and, and you don't have to be hyper-specific uh, beyond your comfort level, but, it, you know, in general, what are the steps to get approval? Who has to sign off on something uh, akin mm. to a response ocean spray before it can go out from a from a brand account? 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when we were all speculating why they weren't responding, I was putting myself in their shoes, um, you know, Lyft, Dolby, Stitch Fix, all my agency work, you have to go through the proper chains of command to respond. Um, you know, first step is, do we, to, J- to Jeremy's point, like, do we respond to this? The second is, what do we put out? So you got to get the creative team together to kick around some ideas. Um, you know, if they're on other work right now, it's really hard to pull them off to say, hey, quick, drop everything for this, you know, business focused initiative we're working on and come over here and help me play on a play around with a potential meme. Right. So getting the resources is really tough sometimes to do the quick turn stuff. But then, you know, to Jeremy's point about his background and things like you got to get the legal team, you got to get the PR team involved. And sometimes it becomes um, approval by committee where the clock ticks. The days have gone by. We're getting further and further away from the moment, right? And now if we wait too long, we look lame because, hey, you're two weeks late. Everyone's moved on by then. Um, so I really um, empathize with, you know, th- putting myself in their shoes and sort of thinking through what are what is going on in the walls of Ocean Spray right now? Like, I would love to be at that table trying to think through and, um, you know, debate with all the cross-functional partners because it's really not easy. It's not easy to pull that off. Um, even if you just wanted to put out a simple replica video, you've got to bring everybody together and not everybody's on board. Um, so sometimes, you, you know, as brands, you just miss that opportunity because of, of the layers and layers and layers. And I would say, even more scrutiny is on social channels these days, um, probably more than I've ever seen in my career because we are in a pandemic, you know, because we're in the thick of racial justice conversations. If you say the wrong thing or you put the wrong thing out or you don't respond the right way, um, you can get dragged. And so there's a lot of, you know, risk to brands sometimes trying to be nimble. Um, and so I, I empathized with that team just trying to figure it out from, from you know, the back end. of marketers spend more time producing digital advertising content than they like. Don't be one of them. Find out how creative automation can help. Learn how at Celtra.com. That's C-E-L-T-R-A dot com. Yeah, so the the VP debate after, I don't know what everyone else's experience was like, but after the first and maybe only presidential debate like at this point it's really unclear if we're even going to have a second debate um but at the first presidential debate my anxiety level was roughly at a like a 99 out of 100 and occasionally went up to about 103 um and so i wasn't super excited about going into the vp debate but it was you know it was calmer it was a bit more traditional uh kamala harris and uh and mike pence are both um a little more you know, moderate—not uh, moderate politically, but you know, uh, moderate personalities than uh, than President Trump. And but uh, but I was kind of curious. I was like, a lot of people didn't seem that into it. You know, people weren't. It, it, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, "I'm not going to watch," but I hope it goes well or whatever. And so I was kind of curious if you remember, and no one does, is kind of my point. The last VP debate from four, uh, you know from four years ago. Uh, was such a sleeper, <laughs> you know, it was like Tim Kaine and, and Mike Pence. And it was just so like, it, 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 you, you would just listen to it to go to sleep at night. And so this one, I was like, Oh, is there going to be a moment? Is anyone going to have anything to say other than just about the politics, which of course is fine. And then a fly landed on Mike Pence's head and it just didn't leave. 
you know, like my my wife like flew across the room to take a picture of it under the assumption that within a few seconds it would be gone and just stayed. <laughs> As I'm watching it, my, my, my Twitter feed just turns into all fly all the time. Like just I'm watching the hashtags and everything. It's just spiraling and it's just fly, 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 fly. And so part of me, I'm curious about you, you guys, like uh, part of me was like, didn't want to talk about the fly. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, but you know, these are serious things. This is like the fate of our country that's being debated. So maybe let's focus. But then grudgingly I had to eventually admit that it, it, it was the next day was going to be all fly. Um, and, and so the Biden campaign incredibly rapidly to the point of this conversation as in I like before the end of the debate, I remembered they had already tweeted an image and I think eventually tweeted the official uh, photo of Biden holding a, a fly swatter. And it said, uh, you know, give, give $5 to help this campaign fly uh, or something like that, or to make this can, you know, and uh, the, the response was immediate and massive and it ended up being, you know, while not his most popular post ever, I mean, yeah, 850,000 likes within the first 12 hours or something like that, which for Biden, you know, who's operating at a disadvantage compared to Trump on TikTok, on Twitter audience, uh, that was a huge win. And Lord knows how much money he made off that thing. Uh, so I'm just curious what you two thought of how that campaign that, you know, they also made branded uh, fly swatters that sold out, um, and just this felt like one of the smartest marketing moves I've seen in this entire election cycle. Well, I think it was it was a brilliant way to to play a role in the moment. And I think this speaks to like how nimble they were. Like, let's be real, their social teams were like on on call, right? This is, they have a war room ready, and this is this big reactive moment they're just waiting for. And like, I think best in class brands that are ready for these best in class brands that thrive in these moments are ones that are ready for them. They have a process in place. If a fire drill happens this is what we do. And this is what we do to move quickly on it. And I think they, they saw the opportunity and they did it in a way that was, that was great. It was a way of that. Like wasn't offensive. It was true. It was kind of like above the fray of it all, but it was just, it was witty. It was lighthearted and they, the, the opportunity presented itself and they, they came through. So I was super impressed as well. Yeah, I was blown away by how quick they they moved. I think I think what people I think why people got so upset with the fly is it wasn't just like a fly came into the shot for 2 seconds. It stayed there for almost 2 minutes. And so, you know, that in itself is just funny. Um so I think that's what kind of made the fly become more of a thing. Um, and also politics, we're just, in a, you know, the country's divided right now. And I think, you know, watching these things, sometimes it's you, you want to root for your team and you want to, you know, be against the other one or whatever. However, you know, we're all feeling these days. So to have that fly jump in was just, I think, a nice distraction from the divisiveness that we all see in politics these days. And I, I, that's a big reason why I think it also took took off. Um, but then kudos to the Biden team for how quickly they turned that around. I think to your point, David, the, they quickly had a fly swatter on their store. They're, you know, on the Biden.com store, um, it was $10 fly swatter, <laughs> which is not, not cheap. But um, they had already labeled it something like truth over flies. Uh, so um, I, I think they're just another great example of moving quickly and capitalizing on the moment, which a lot of brands like, you know, us at Lyft, for example, I would, I would kill to be able to move that quickly on some stuff. 
I have another um, moment I think they did not capitalize on. Um, and it's Senator Kamala Harris saying, I'm speaking, right? A lot of memes came out of that. And I wonder, you know, um, if there's something to do there. I, I was thinking that a brand uh, that was very female-focused would take something like that and, and do something with it. What, what, what do you guys think of that opportunity? Does it compete with the fly swatter? And, you know, um, I guess more inside look at, at Lyft too, um, Bryna. You know, how long would it take to get something like that, like approved right away for social? Yeah, I, to Jeremy's point, I don't think we're set up for that yet. <laughs> you know, we we have a lot of we're in the thick of um, trying to get a voting campaign out. Um, you know, so pulling pulling resources off to to quick to to mobilize quickly against something like that is just not possible today for us at Live. But it's definitely something we're focused on for 2021. Um, but on the I'm speaking thing, I think definitely that caught fire. Um, you know, as a meme and retweets and things like that. Um, I think it's hard for um, it's hard for brands to jump in on a particular saying or a particular moment um, as quickly as as maybe po- political campaigns can can do. I think you make a strong point there. Of like, I, I think it's hard for brands to get political, and maybe that's mm-hmm. one reason one brand didn't touch that. But like, that I think that was the biggest miss for us as a country. Is like that's what we all should have been talking about the next day, not the fly. As but the fly was funny. It's entertaining. We, we all get it. But I mean, a brand playing a role in that sounds like a great move, like a brand like Bumble, who stands for having women make the first move and standing for women empowerment. Like they could have done something great about that. But that falls back on, like, do you really want to get political? It can get really Mm -hmm. alienating and really ugly really quick. So personally, that's that's why I think most brands kind of didn't touch it. But it is a huge opportunity for us as a country to look back and like, hey, this is what we should be talking about. Well, the, the other the other side of this coin of the political response uh, that brands need to prepare for is the other side, the defensive, right? So, so we've talked about when there are opportunities for positive response. Uh, the other thing that's become sadly common is uh, when the president uh, very often targets your brand. Uh, he has kind of very specifically called out uh, a, a somewhat surprising surprisingly large array of, of brands by name. Uh, most recently, Bumblebee Tuna was kind of the, the one where you almost just picture their social team just like having a, you know, having a nice afternoon or evening and just kind of chill in. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, man, my phone's really blowing up. What's the, like the, I just don't <laughs> see the, the Bumblebee Tuna social social crowd being like hyper you know they're not sitting in a war room 24 7 and they did a great response you know he he was uh, trump was giving this uh speech and uh basically saying that people throw cans of bumblebee tuna specifically at police um uh which uh, there's no factual basis for that i have not seen any photos or any news reports to say that they do. Um, there's many people have reasons why they think he picked Bumblebee Tuna, uh, namely that they came out against his uh, his uh, sanctions on China uh, and his tariffs and uh, their main competitor, Starkist, did not. Uh, so there, you know, there are reasons, but whatever, it, it, Bumblebee Tuna's social team was suddenly under the limelight and they responded in like five seconds. And and those of us like on this podcast, I think more so than anybody can appreciate what a what a, a coup that was. You know, they just responded, "Eat them, don't throw them." <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I saw so that. I was like, I was like, I want to know the ice cold person that is sitting there at the helm of the Bumblebee Tuna social accounts, being like unflappable. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it seems like. Do you, I mean, do you, do you two think that, um, and Brian, we could start with you. I mean, is this a conversation that uh, obviously Lyft, while it has a, a lot of positive uh, feedback, a lot of, like, I'm a big fan of the service. I've been using it a long time. I've always really enjoyed it, but um, negative things happen. You know, people are going to call it mm-hmm. out. How do you even prepare for what do we do if we get called out on this like national level? I mean, I, <laughs> I empathize with that team. I also empathize with um, the TikTok team. I mean, they've been called out by the president a couple times, and you know, they've I've been watching how they've reacted on you know their social platforms, and they've we noticed actually that they they broke off and created um, a comms account in August, and I think you know we're looking at that as well here as. Um, d- our social channels today are kind of a catch-all for, for a lot of initiatives in the company. And so we've been looking at, does it make sense to break off and have certain channels for certain audiences? And so the TikTok one just comes to mind because um, I did notice that mid-August, when they were under a lot of pressure from the president and they were in the national conversation about China and privacy, that they did break off and create their their own comms channel. And I think that's because they needed to speak directly to a policy audience and talk about their potential, you know, purchase or acquisition. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it's hard for social teams um, who are trying to create fun, lighthearted campaigns and then have something go off the rails or something, somebody says something and all of a sudden you're under all this scrutiny. Um, so I think the way the, the Bumblebee tuna one is a perfect example. They didn't overthink it. They said what they said and then they moved on. Right. Um, but to, to probably get approval to do that, um, you know, I, I can't imagine, you know, it sounds like that team might be a little bit more empowered than most. I think adding adding to that, I think this completely depends on context, but also the opportunity. Like if you messed up or somebody who rep- represents you messed up, like apologize quickly and move forward and just own it. But also speaking of Trump specifically, I think now more than ever, brands have this opportunity to be on the right side of history, which is really alienating, but really scary. But some brands could even use it to its favor. Like this is a hot take and a lot of people may not agree with this one, but like Trump going so hard against TikTok and them standing up for him and standing up to this bully, I think long term will will help their brand. Personally, mm-hmm. I view TikTok as a bit of a rebel brand of like they're kind of like the new MTV. They're trying to come into this space and and disrupt it and shake it up in their own way and view themselves as a little bit more as as the rebel. So long term, I think this could help them. But I love that they just like they had a really strong stance. They're like, we're not going to be bullied. We're not going anywhere. And personally, I think long term, it's going to help their brand. So I think don't be afraid to to stand up to somebody who's trying to bully your account, whether it's whether you're a tuna brand or a big tech brand. I think something interesting to chew on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it's oh, go ahead. I was going to say the the you know that your MTV metaphor is actually is reminds me that the whole like I want my MTV campaign, which was considered you know one of the most successful. 
uh, kind of marketing campaigns of all time uh, because of how many mega celebrities got on board with it because it just became the cool thing to do. Like every band wanted to be making one of these, I want my MTV. But that whole thing started as just a way to get more cable carriers to add MTV, right? Like, and they put, but they positioned it in this like rebellion space of, of like the people are demanding it, right? Like the youth, the youth that were on the side of the youth, uh, even though it had this very corporate end goal of getting <laughs> getting more cable carriers and getting getting it out into more markets uh and i i still to this day think of like what a coup of just this this kind of lobbying for uh for placement on cable services turning into something that's actually cool and young people are like man that's so great and like putting it on t-shirts and stuff but uh yeah it's 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 uh, there's a lot of value and i think in being the challenger i mean right we talk about challenger brands all the time and who what, what's a bigger challenger than like taking on the u.s government yeah, I was going to say to to Jeremy's point, I think it it helps to really know what you stand for as a company. Um, you know, Lyft, we we pride ourselves on our values. You know, a couple of years ago, we made that ACLU donation back when you know there was the the travel ban was in place, um, and that's because you know we we stand by uh, our values. And so, you know, you have the TikToks of the world and you've seen, I think, um, Ben and Jerry's do that recently with full blown standing up against white supremacy with a lot of their social posts, which is kind of, you're like, what is an ice cream company doing talking about dismantling white supremacy? But it's because Ben and Jerry's the founders, like they, they have these values, they, they have zero tolerance for, you know, discrimination. And so they stand by it as a brand and it's in through, it's, it's baked into everything that they do. And they have these moments to say something and use their platform. They do. So I think I totally agree with Jeremy that if you can always kind of fall back on your, on your values and, and walk the walk on it, you do get permission sometimes to say what you need to say on social. So in terms of like reactive moments, whether it's social or just marketing as a whole, like I think an example I have is uh, when I worked on Nike and Airbnb, there was reactive moments and there was fire drills and people crushed it. But I think the biggest learning for me was a miss. Um, Honestly, the biggest miss I feel like of my career was I was working on Intel at the time. And I'll try to make this story really quick, but I was watching the Super Bowl and Google Home did their first ad and they said, okay, Google, and it set off my friend's Google Home. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. And the next day after the Super Bowl, I was reading an article and it said, oh, it set up all these people's Google Homes. And I was like, yo, this is a huge opportunity for a brand play. And um, I even wrote up the script, even though I wasn't a copywriter. And I was like, guys, like Intel's biggest challenge is that nobody knows what they do today. They're seen as a PC relic of the past. And when in reality, they power 97% of AI. So we like whipped up this script super quick and we sent it to the client that like, what if we run these broadcast bots that said, okay, Siri, okay, Alexa, okay, Google, who powers 97% of your AI? And this idea of your AI is responding, oh, Intel does that, right? And we had this super cool idea. We were super excited about it. We, uh, we got it to the client eventually and it finally got approved and bought and we were so excited. And then Burger King came in and beat us to the punch and Burger King did their TV commercial that said, okay, Google, what's a Whopper? And my heart like crunched, like I was so sad, but like even more so of like, I felt like this aligned with our brand. It really aligned to the product of proving that they're powering AI, but Burger King came in, they beat us to the punch and they reaped all the can lions and all the rewards. And this was a perfect example of like, we got stuck in production. So whether it's a real time moment in social or just a unique opportunity, it just shows like you have to have the process and team to make quickly to the process and the team to move quickly. Otherwise, it's just going to be a, a big miss. Well, don't don't beat yourself 
talk too much, Jeremy. Um, I do want to end on a fun note, and it's going to go to copywriting and creativity on the spot. So no big pressure here. Um, Ocean Spray, their taglines um, have included refreshingly honest, crave the wave, and it's your zing. This is basically from like the late 90s. Um, what would be a tagline that you would consider for them for them now as we close out um, this very fun episode of... Yeah, that's probably an ad. And that includes you, Griner. You can come up with something, too. Well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm stealing the best one I saw on Twitter where someone, when people were asking, like, where is Ocean Spray? And someone just said, uh, maybe they've been bogged down. <laughs> and, like, for, for nerds who know that cranberries are grown in a bog and that they've put in their, in their ads, I was like, man, because, you know, <laughs> They've been very bog centric in their advertising in the past. So I was like, don't get bogged down or ride the wave. It's like, yeah, there, there's, there, it gets back to, I think, Jeremy's point at the beginning of it. It's just like this whole thing is just such a great vibe and such a chill kind of moment that I think you could totally lean into that with, with Lord knows, like, Ocean Spray's had plenty of mediocre taglines and, like, no offense to them, but it's like they've never exactly pushed the outer envelope of, of you know, what they could own as a brand. So, I don't know. Anyone else have a have a, a better one? Mm. Uh, I don't have a slogan, but I did see a meme um, pop up on social of, you know, I came from Stitch Fix and we were really, I mean, I think fashion companies in general, there's this Instagram aesthetic of what we call the laydown, which is, you know, picture taking a shot from above you're looking down at a lay down of clothes you're looking at a shirt a pair of pants a pair of shoes a belt it's not on a person it's just laid down on the floor and you take the picture from above so I did see a lay down of his outfit um which was you know the hoodie the the sneakers the skateboard and the cranberry juice and it said the happiness package, right? So I was just like, oh, that would be awesome if like, you know, Stitch Fix or some of these fashion brands played, you know, did their spin on it. But as far as the slogan, I don't know. I'm all tap tapped out on my copywriting these days. I think that's brilliant. That idea of like the happiness starter pack. Mm -hmm. um, if I was to take a swing at this, if anything, I try to like, trying to be the nerdy strategist or whatever that I am. Is that like, what's the tension here? And I think the tension is like, we all just need some good vibes right now, right? And I think we all kind of feel like with the election, like people are using social so much to share their point of view and that's great. But like this idea of vibes speak louder than words or something like that. Like this guy went viral and he didn't even say a word. He was like skating and like just sipping and like doing his thing. And it was just like, what can we do to kind of share that vibe with each other right now that we all need? I know there's a lot to be said about everything, but sometimes but just find a way to like give good vibes to each other. I know that's super hippy dippy, but that's kind of that that's my swing at it. When, I love when, it. When I was a copywriter, all I did was just mash up words together into dumb uh what, what's it called ne neologism? Oh, I'm going to get eaten alive by Jessica Ferris, our word origin expert on house, but like uh you know when you just smash two words up and just make up dumb new words for a brand. And so I would probably go with something like feel the cranesthetic or something. <laughs> it just like doesn't work at all, <laughs> and I uh, just put it on a board and be like, "Do you get it?" And then, and then, and then everyone would just move on to the next one. Well, this has been uh, so wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, Jeremy, and thank you, Co. As always, and it was so nice to have you all on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. This was a blast.
Well, with that, we are out of time. Uh, so we will wrap up. A thank you again to our guests. Uh, our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Co M and edited by Lane McGivney. Uh, if you have anything you want to send us, uh, your new ocean spray tagline of choice, send it to podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.